0: Excited to preach God's word this morning? Excited for those that are in the overflow? Thank you for joining with us this morning. And those that are online, so glad to have you with us this morning. Believing that God is going to meet us in all three places. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm going to open up in a word of prayer and then I'm going to begin to share God's word with us this morning. Father, I give you praise and I give you honor, God. I thank you that you're such a good and faithful God. I thank you, God, that you have a plan for every person in this room today, God. And so, Father, I pray that as I speak your word, God, you would pierce the hearts of those that are listening here in the overflow online, Lord God, that, Father, your word would be like a sword, Lord God, cutting through us today, God, dividing the bone and the marrow, Lord God, and that you would produce truth in our life, Lord God, and that, Father, that that truth would propel us forward in what you have for us. I pray, Lord God, that you hide me behind your cross this morning. And that you would be seen not me, Lord God. And Father, I pray, God, that your glory would fill this place this morning. And we would be a marked and changed people, God. We we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'm excited to preach in this series. Because as Pastor Chris shared with you guys in the announcement and last week, I'm living in this moment, this Kairos moment. And a Kairos moment is a moment where God is speaking... And that speech requires a response. It requires an action step. It's not just speech for information. It's speech that requires a step. And I want to I take apart this terminology of God speaking. Because I feel like we have a misunderstanding in the church. Oftentimes when we think about God speaking, people will say, well, did God audibly speak? And I'm going to say no. As a matter of fact... God's audible speech is very rare. It's very rare. Does it happen? Absolutely. He shows up to Moses in a burning bush and he speaks. He shows up to Abraham and he speaks. But those are rare moments. In truth, if God has to yell out of heaven to get our attention, something is very wrong. Something is very wrong. God's audible speech offer very specific specific moments in time and in history the way God wants to speak to his people really comes out of Isaiah forty three nineteen. Can you guys throw that up for me it says behold I do a new thing what does it say can you not perceive it can you not sense it can you not perceive it can you not understand can you not feel what I'm doing Behold, I do a new thing. Can you not perceive it? You know, the scripture says that my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they don't know. But if you go to a shepherd's land, there's not a whole bunch of dialogue going on between him and the sheep. He's just living with them. And because they're doing life together, the sheep know his inclinations. When the shepherd stands a certain way, they know they're going to be fed. When he walks a certain decision, they know they're going for a walk. When they do this, they're able to discern their shepherd because they're doing life with them. And God is looking for people that are doing life with him. That are walking with him every day, talking with him every day, sharing in the word, living with him. So that they can perceive when God is doing something different. They can sense it. And I'm not talking about some new age Oprah type feeling what I'm talking about I'm talking about the discerning of your spirit that God is doing something different family if God has to yell to get my attention there's something very wrong with my walk the scripture calls that being spoon-fed it's called living in milk if God has to get my attention by saying hey every time then something is wrong. That's called being spoon-fed. It's called living on milk. And the Bible says you've come to a place now where you need to be start eating meat and need to be able to discern what God is doing. You need to be able to feel the difference in the atmosphere when God is shifting things and God is changing things. See, that's my story. People have asked me, hey, did God speak to you? To say this clearly. I said, did God audibly stay out of heaven, quit evangelism? No, no. I began to perceive a new season. I began to sense something different. I began to sense a change. It was two and a half years ago. Simple little changes. Different little things I began to feel. I'm like, what is this? What is this, God? What am I perceiving? And you know what I did? What we all should do when we perceive something, you lean into it. You lean into it. You begin to pray into it. Say, God, what am I sensing here? What are you doing? And you begin to lean, and you begin to lean. And he kept perceiving, and I kept leaning, and I kept perceiving, and I kept leaning until this word showed up, and it was clarity. And then it was clear what God was doing, and it was clear what he was saying. So as Pastor Chris shared last week, we had I don't know how many discussions, and he, you know, he was trying to, Say, well, what if we did this? And what if we had a five-year plan and this kind of plan? And he's talking on and on. And sometime in the spring, I walked in. I had complete clarity and complete peace. I walked in. and said, Pastor Chris, I'm going to help us. He goes, really? I said, yeah, I'm going to make this really easy for me and you. I quit. I quit. And he said, just like that. I said, just like that. It's the right step. And he looked at me and he said, if you know Pastor Chris, he went, okay. So, so what does that mean? I said, it means I'm out. I'm out. Let's figure it out. Now we work backwards. Now we tell the board, we tell the body, we figure this out. And we move forward because this is the moment I'm in. I have clarity. And he turned to me and said, you know what? He goes, I would actually be nervous except there's so much peace around you that I have no choice but to say amen. This is God. See, I didn't have an audible voice that yelled at me out of heaven. I perceived what God was doing, and I leaned into it until I had clarity. And God desires to speak to his people that way. He desires to give us clarity as we walk after him. And I need you to know something about God. I need you to understand something about God. And I've learned this through the years of serving him God has two speeds. I'm convinced of this. I have no scripture to back me up, but I'm just convinced. It's pause and run. If you've served God long enough, that's his speed. Pause, God, I don't know what you're doing. Nothing's moving, God, I'm praying, nothing seems to be shifting, blah, 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 blah. And then, God, wait, I can't keep up. (laughs) Run. And I've learned this, that in the pause, And even though you don't feel anything, he's doing so much. You are learning. You are growing. You are laying things out. You don't even realize it. He is stretching you. He is teaching you. And then in the run, you now apply all the things you learned in the pause. That's what he does. And God is always doing that. Why? Because God is always moving us forward. God is always moving us forward. His church and you as an individual. God's heart is never that you stay here. Ever. That's called yesterday's manna. God always has fresh manna. God is always moving us forward. God is always wanting his people to move forward. Now listen. He might take you in the past for a second to pick up some things or to drop some things off. Hello? Hello? But it's only for a moment. He's the God of the present, not the God of the past. He doesn't operate in the past. The past is the past. It's done. Today's a new day. And God is looking for people that will get in line and move with him in this new day. That are saying, God, what you're speaking, I'm in. And I want to move forward. And you say, well, why does God always want to move us forward? It's really simple. Because God always has more. We serve a limitless God. You didn't like that. We serve a limitless God. Why in the world would you choose a limited life? Why in the world would you choose a limited life? We serve a limitless God who always wants to give us more, more of what? Everything. Provision, deliverance, healing, freedom. I can stay here all day and list for you things that he wants to give you. If you want to understand the heart of God, it's summed up really simple. It's that his church would walk in his fullness. That's the heart of God. Is that his church would walk in his fullness? Well, say how do you know that? He died for it. He died that his church would have his fullness. He said, "I have come to give you life and life more abundant." That's his that's his, 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 uh, his mission statement. You want God's mission statement, that is. I've come to give you life and life more abundant. We serve a God that wants to pour himself out in us and through us. He wants to give us more. He wants us to walk in everything he has for us. He doesn't want a sickness, an infirmity, a bondage, anything to hold you. He wants you to walk in his fullness. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour out over you. He wants to propel you forward in everything he has. He doesn't want anybody to stay stuck. They don't even feel stuck in their walk with God. But God, I can't move. It's not God. It's us. We're in the way. He's not in the way. God is always moving us forward. God is always propelling us forward. But see, God can speak all day. All day. He can speak all day. But unless his speech is met with an action from you, nothing's going to happen. That's the truth. That's the truth. You will not find anybody in Scripture that received everything God had by standing still, by just warming a chair. It didn't happen. It happens when they moved. There was a step that was required. God required a step. And he said, well, Why does God need my step? He's God. It's very simple. Because in that step, there's something called faith. And faith is the currency of heaven. Understand that this morning. You want to make an exchange in heaven? You make it through faith. You want to make exchange on earth? You make it through dollars. You want to make an exchange in heaven? It's through faith. And that step that you take requires faith. And once you start speaking faith, now you're speaking God's language. Now you're speaking the language that God jumps right into. And he says, there you go. Now they understand me. Now they're speaking my currency. And you can begin to step into what God has for you. It requires a step. It requires an act of faith. The Bible says without faith you cannot please God. I don't care what else you're doing. If you don't have faith, you can't please him. You could stand on your head all day. It's not going to please God because the language of God is faith. That's what he speaks. And I want to tell you something really honest today and really true. Is that the only thing that will stop you from receiving all God has for you are excuses. They're excuses. I'm your pastor still. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to waste your time this morning. What's going to stop you from walking everything God has for you are excuses. The title of the message, by the way, is No More Excuses. Because we're going to do away with excuses this morning. My heart for you is I've been praying. I preached this message last night in my house. I screamed the house down. Because I want the people of God to walk in their fullness. I want to see the church be the church. I don't want to see sickness. I don't want to see disease. I don't want to see brokenness. I don't want to see people of God living in lack. When we serve a God that's so abundant. And the only thing that will stop us is our excuses. And they might be to you reasons. See the difference? They might be to you reasons, but after a while, every reason becomes an excuse. We all got plenty of reasons why we don't go to the gym. All of us. It's too early, my hour, blah, blah. At the end of the day, We make time for what we want to make time for. Invite me to shop. I'll find time. Because it matters to me. At the end of the day, every reason becomes an excuse. And so today we're going to take it apart through scripture. And I pray you have ears to hear today. And I pray that you're transformed by the end of this message. Open up John chapter 5 with me this morning. When you have it, say amen, so I know you have it. Okay. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there in Jerusalem was a sheep's gate, a pool, which in the Hebrew was called Bethesda, having five porches. In this, laid a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the movement of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped into the water first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now there's a certain man who was there who had been infirmed for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been there in his condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Another version will say, did you want to be made whole? The sick man answered Jesus, sir, I have no one to put me into into the pool when the water is stirred up. But until I come, until when I come, another one steps in before I do. Jesus said to him, arise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. So I want you to look at this for me. Here's this pool. It's called the Pool of Bethesda. It's very famous in, in Jerusalem. And it's lined with the sick, the lame the crippled, all lines around it. And at a certain time in the day, the water would be troubled. And whoever got into the water first was healed. And so Jesus shows up on the scene and there's this man who's been sick how long? 38 years. That's a lifetime. 38 years he's sick. And he's hanging out by the pool waiting for the angel to trouble the water. And Jesus shows up and the Bible says he knew everything about the man already. And Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? Or in other versions, you want to be made whole. And the man goes into a soliloquy as to why he's not. Sir, I have no one to put me in the water. Before I even get into the water, someone else is in there before me. Blah, 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 blah. And Jesus ignores everything he says. And he says, rise up and walk. And the man is immediately healed. Now I want to go a little deeper into this story. Here's this man, 38 years by the pool. 38 years. That's some of your lifetimes right here. 38 years, he comes every day and sits by the pool, waiting to be healed. Waiting. Waiting for the angel to trouble the water. And I need to tell you that he might have wanted to be healed, but he didn't want to be healed. He wanted it, he didn't want his big difference. I'll tell you why. Because if he really wanted to be healed, he'd already be in the water. I'd be swimming all day. I'd be doing the backstroke in that pool all day. The angel was going to find me there in the water already. But he's hanging out by the pool. And that's become his normal deal. To get up every morning, go there and wait. Know that he's not going to be healed and then go home. He has zero expectation. That's his normal And can I tell you, for some of us, our dysfunction, our brokenness, our sickness is our normal. And it's just comfortable. You may say, well, it's dysfunctional, but it's your normal. It's what you know. And here he is at the pool hanging out. And he doesn't even recognize his Kairos moment. The king of kings and the Lord of lords is talking to him. Jesus is speaking to him. And Jesus says, do you want to be made well? Do you notice that he doesn't answer the question? He doesn't say yes or no. He gives a soliloquy of excuses, sir. I have no one to put me in the water. Before I get there, someone else is in there. Blah 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 blah. And Jesus ignores everything he says and heals him because he's Jesus and he's wonderful. But can I tell you, he's no different than us. We have a soliloquy of excuses. As to why we don't walk in everything God has for us. We have pounds of excuses as to why. God, I don't know if I have the time. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm gifted, God. I don't know if I'm talented enough, God. I don't know what you have. What is this going to cost me, God? What is this going to? And at the end of the day, all of that family is white noise. That's the truth. Because when Jesus was asking this man a question, there was only one answer that would suffice. Do you want to be made Well, yes. Simple, but he didn't have that in him because he was much more comfortable being who he was than taking a risk of stepping somewhere else. And child of God, let me tell you, we have a soliloquy of excuses as to why we don't walk in what God has. People say to me, Pastor, you know, financially we're not doing good, me and my wife or whatever. Do you tithe? Well, no, we really can't tie because of, okay. Then you'll never walk on what God has for you. It's real simple. I've had people walk in my office sick, sick, so sick, riddled with cancer. And as I begin to search out their life, they're full of unforgiveness. And I'll say, well, unforgiveness is is a door for sickness. Do you want to forgive? No, I'm sorry, I can't. Then you'll die. That's the truth, Family. Because there are steps that are required to walk in God's fullness. I cannot be riddled with unforgiveness and expect to walk in healing. It doesn't work. I can't not tithe and do what God has called me to do and expect to be blessed. It doesn't work. I can't do things my way and the things that make me comfortable and say, God, show up and take care of everything else. It doesn't work that way. All of those things are excuses. They're excuses. Because the bottom line is this, family. When Jesus asks a question, there's only one answer. It's yes. It's yes. Jesus is asking. The answer is yes. You know how many people, good people, loving people have come to me say, Pastor, this is all wonderful and all, what you're doing. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Um, but have you thought about, like, health insurance? Have you thought about a mortgage? Have you thought about life? Have you thought? And I start laughing. I'm like, it's past my mind. Sure, because I'm human. But none of those are gonna deter me from saying yes. They're realities. They're truths, but I serve a bigger reality. Either God is who he says he is or he's not. Either he's the King of kings or the Lord of lords, or he's not. We're all playing games this morning. Either he's the God who speaks and then backs up his word, or he's simply not. That's the truth of it. And this is what I believe, that as I obey God, God will take care of everything else. He's the God that will take care of the consequences. You know how I know that? The scripture has this one little line that we just read that said, when Jesus approached the man, he already knew everything about him. He knew everything. You know what that means? He knew all of his excuses before he asked the question. And he still asked the question. Why? Because he had already solved the excuses. Jesus already had a plan for the excuses. He had a plan for, think about Moses. Moses. Moses go to Pharaoh. Oh, you know, I can't speak. Said, take your brother. God, I don't have anything. Take your stick. But on and on. God didn't give him a chance to finish. He's like, Moses, you're going. But God, this, God, that. that. Do you ever notice that when he goes to Pharaoh, it's a little moment? Does Aaron ever speak to Pharaoh? <laughs> Moses does. The excuse. He got there, he spoke just fine. He spoke just fine when he got there, but it was his excuses, and God didn't let him have any of them. Either you're going to do what I say or you're not. It's really simple because I am a God that takes care of the consequences. I am a God that takes care of your obedience. You step into what I have for you, child of God, I'll take care of everything else. You decide that you're going to walk in God's fullness, you're going to forgive, you're going to be set free, you're going to let go of the past, you're going to walk in liberty, you're going to believe healing, you're going to walk into ministry, you're going to to do what God is saying to you, your answer is yes, God takes care of everything else for you. That's God. And either we serve a God that's that big, or we all need to go home and stop wasting our time on Sunday mornings. Either he's the Lord of lords and the King of kings, or he's not, and we're all playing games. I'm not playing games. I know the God I serve. I know how big my God is. I know that a cattle upon a thousand hills belongs to him. I know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I can hope or imagine. And God, whatever you say, the answer is yes. Whatever your question is, the answer is yes. We live under this word a lot of times we throw around. It's called recklessly obedient. It's the right term. God is looking for people that will recklessly obey him. Recklessly. Yes, God. Whatever you say. I'm not counting the cost. That's your job. That's your job, God. My job is my obedience. Your job is everything else, God. My job is my step. Your job is everything else. And when you live like that the miraculous shows up all over the place. Because God is saying, they're speaking my language because my language is faith. And the second they speak my language, I'm in. If you've heard this story before, just bear with me this morning. But, you know, we obey God because of who's asking. It's Jesus speaking. So in Jesus is the completion of all things. The simple fact that it's Jesus asking, the answer becomes yes. If it's one of y'all asking, I might think twice. But it's Jesus. You know, a couple years ago I was in Africa on a missions trip. And we were at the end of the trip, so we went on safari. And everyone on safari wants to see lions. That's the big deal on safari. But lions come out at 4 in the morning. Because they hunt and then they go to sleep for the rest of the day. So the the tour guide, who was an amazing tour guide, said, if you girls, it was me and Maria, if you want to see lions, you got to get up at four in the morning and meet me. So we got up at four in the morning. We went out. It's a Jeep that has no ceiling. So you're kind of leaping out, looking around, kind of deal. And as I'm looking, this African bee shows up. That big. And he is big and buzzing and loud. And he seems to like me. He's all around. So I'm like fanning him away, shaking him away. But he's annoying. He won't go away. He's coming right up to my ear. And this is right in your ear. And it's like. So the tour guide. Who knew his stuff. Cold. Turns to me and said. Pastor. Whatever you do. Don't kill the bee. And I said. Okay. But he wouldn't go away. (laughs) So he kept buzzing around me. And buzzing around me. And I kept swigging him. He landed on my hair. I knocked him out of my hair. And then finally. 20 minutes into this. He lands right there. So I look at the tour guide, his back is to me. I take off my flip flop. Nobody's watching and I kill the bee. Well, before my shoe left the bee, 30, 40 bees come out of nowhere and surround the truck. So I'm looking, I'm like, what in the world? The driver turns on. he goes, You killed the bee? (laughs) And I'm like, I did. What's happening? He goes, African bees are very loyal. And when they smell the blood of a fallen comrade, they attack the person who killed the bee. I said, bro, you said none of that. (laughs) You said none of that. He's like, I shouldn't have had to say anything. Listen to his word. I should have had to say anything. All you needed to know was that I knew better than you. That's all you needed to know was that I knew better than you. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Now save my life. Get us out of here. Get us out of here. He puts the car in drive. We fly 60 miles an hour down the desert. We get to the site. He tells the man what happened. They have to wash the truck. I have to go take a shower, I have to put fresh, different perfume on, I come out, I was pointed to by every employee (laughs) as the Mzungu, Mzungu's white person who killed the bee, (laughs) blah, 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 Mzungu, and I got pointed to all day. The bees never left us. They chased us all day, even after all that. And all Maria kept saying was, girl, you should love to be alone. I'm like, all right, we're in. What do you want me to do? We're in. But listen to what the tour guy said. He didn't need to tell me all the steps. I just needed to know that he knew better than me. That's why we recklessly obey. Because God knows better than us. He knows better. So when he's asking a question, if your answer is no or I don't know, that means you know better than God. And we don't know better than God. He knows better. You can struggle, you can search it out, but lean into it until God gives you the confidence to say yes. But the second you begin to say, God, I don't think this, you now have set yourself up as God. And I'm not God, I'm his servant. And what he says, his answer is yes. Another time that I was going to Africa as well, we were here at Evangel and Team Columbia was leaving and they had collected all these socks to go. And then Team Columbia left and all these children's socks were left here. As I'm looking at them, I said, God, what what am I supposed to do with these? And I just felt a prompting to take them to Africa. And I'm like, take socks to Africa. Okay, so I put it in my bag, it makes no sense to me. It actually sounds ridiculous. Africa's hot, (laughs) nobody wearing socks in Africa. So I take all these children's socks, a suitcase full of children's socks. I get to Africa, we get there. The second day that we're there, they say, we're gonna go visit an orphanage. and They say, prepare yourself. This orphanage is one of the poorest in the area. These children have nothing. These were street kids that were found on the streets. There's no money, there's no anything. We go there, and truly it's one of the most dilapidated orphanages I've ever been to. But the children love Jesus. And we walk in, the place doesn't smell great, doesn't look great, there's no light, there's no light fixtures, they live by the sunlight because they don't have any lamps there. The children have old clothes, everything is just poor. And I have this ridiculous bag of socks. I wanted to bring steak, do you understand? Like, I wanted to bring whole outfits. I wanted to bring shoes. And I have what I believe God is speaking to me. And I'm doing a reckless act of obedience by carrying this ridiculous bag of socks. And we go in and they say, oh, our friends from America are here. Children, what would you like to do with them? And the children goes, we want to worship. So we worship for the next two and a half hours with these children. And then we're getting ready to leave. So I grab the woman that's in charge. And I say, hey, can I, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure. Um. And she goes, "What?" I said, "This bag, I have this bag for the for the children." And she goes, "Okay, what is it?" It's socks. <laughs> and she goes, "I'm sorry, Pastor, what did you say?" They're socks. And she goes, "Did you say socks?" Yes. She starts screaming. Jesus! 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 So now I don't know what's happening. She calls all the children, children, come, come quickly, children. All the children come running over. They go, children, what did we pray for two days ago? And the children go, for socks. And she goes, and look what pastor brought us today, a bag full of socks. She said, so that means while we were praying, pastor was already in the air with the answer to our prayer. you know what I learned in that moment? I don't care how ridiculous obedience makes me feel, I'm gonna obey. I don't care because God heard the cry of a little orphan that wanted pink socks in Africa and sent me from America to her. I'm good with that, I'm good with that. And I need to tell you, child of God, each one of you are gonna have Kairos moments. And you're in one today. You know why? Because God is asking a question today. Do you want everything I have for you? Do you want everything I have for you? Do you want to be free? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be delivered? Do you want to let go of the past? Do you want to forgive? Do you want everything I have for you? And child of God, I'm going to tell you right now, no other answer but yes will suffice this morning. No other answer will suffice but yes. And as even as I'm talking right now, your excuses are starting to bubble up. And you need to squench them. And say, I will not excuse myself out of the will of God. I will not excuse myself out of the things God has for me. I'm going to say yes and let God deal with all the consequences. I'm going to say yes and do exactly what God is calling me to do. And everything else is his business. My yes is my business. So I want you to stand with me this morning.